Shalom. I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. Thanks so much for joining us on this show today, and I pray that it'll be a great blessing to you. I'm very excited about the topic. It's one that means so much to me and actually was part of how God brought me to faith in Yeshua, Jesus, his son. And so please welcome as well Robert Walter, who is my co-host for The Chosen People. Yes, thank you so much, Mitch, and uh, welcome everybody. Uh, today on The Chosen People, we are going to be diving into the subject of prophecy. We're going to be looking at what prophecy is and what prophecy is not, and then we're actually going to spend some time learning about seven specific messianic prophecies, prophecies about the Messiah, about Yeshua, about Jesus, that we can find in the Hebrew Bible. Sounds exciting, Bobby. Can't wait to get started. I'm looking forward to it as well, Mitch. So, Robert, what do most people think of when you just even mention the word biblical prophecy? Honestly, I think people think about the future. Yeah, absolutely. But isn't prophecy more than telling the future or foretelling? Isn't there an element of foretelling or speaking about the present from God's point of view? Mm, yeah, yeah, certainly. When we, when we read through the Tanakh, the Old Testament— uh, prophecy comes up quite a bit. It's it's uh, there's a whole like genre of writing in the Old Testament that's labeled or characterized as prophecy, and a lot of it has to do not just with telling the future, but with also forth telling God's truth and bringing God's truth to the forefront. I think we see this in Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18, particularly verse 15, mm. where. Through Moses, God establishes the office of the prophet, the Navi, who is a, a spokesperson for God and who is God's mouthpiece, so to speak. Mm -hmm. One of the important elements of prophecy that run throughout the seven prophecies we're going to look at, and really throughout Scripture, is that there is a moral imperative mm -hmm. to prophecy. In other words, it's not something you hear and say, wow, oh, that's interesting, or I, I love putting these numbers together. And, but that's not really the point of prophecy. God speaks through the prophet to God's people in a particular day and age, but he speaks to them for the purpose of not only telling them uh, something that they need to know, but also telling them something they need to do. Mm -hmm. God calls the Israelites to teshuvah, to repentance, uh, through the prophet. Mm -hmm. And this idea of repentance or teshuvah has to do with the heart. So really a big part of prophecy is God calling us to have a changed heart. And right. on top of that, I think it's also important to talk about the future side of it, the, the foretelling of what is yet to come. And when we read the Tanakh, when we read the Old Testament, we see that there are a number of prophecies that talk about not just the Messiah, but also Israel and Israel's place in God's plan. So, Mitch, if you would, could you start us off with one of these prophecies that has to do with the identity of the Messiah? Sure, I'd be happy to. The first one I want to look at is in Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6, mm. and that's the great prophecy of the righteous branch. And this righteous branch is related to King David. Why King David? Because in 2 Samuel 7, God made a covenant with David and he said that from David's line would come a series of kings, but ultimately a king who will reign forever. And right. we know that that king is Jesus. One of the qualities of Jesus the Messiah 
is predicted in Jeremiah 23, 5-6, where we read that he will be called God, our righteousness. Right. And so clearly, uh, if he was going to reign on the throne of David forever, then he would be righteous, God, our righteousness. So it lets us know two things. One, his character, and secondly, that only an eternal person can reign on the throne of David forever. Exactly. And so whoever the Messiah would be, he would have to be God in the flesh, and that is a prophecy. And it also reminds us of our need to seek and to do righteousness. Right. Absolutely. And I love that Jeremiah passage and how it portrays the Messiah as this king uh, who is concerned with you know our, our hearts. And at the same time, it, this really fits very nicely with other passages um, like our, the next one we're going to look at, Ezekiel 37, 24 through 28, where again, God is promising to send this righteous king, but this righteous king, not only would he be a king, he would also be a shepherd, a shepherd king who guides us, who leads us, uh, who will um, impact our lives and our hearts and, and we'll obey him and he'll make a covenant of peace and love with us and care for us and lead us and guide us. And ultimately, when we come to the New Testament, this is how we see Yeshua, Jesus, presented to us. He is the shepherd king. So we understand, don't we, that some of these prophecies focus on who the Messiah would be, what he would be like. It also refers to his lineage through the house of David, originally, Mm -hmm. of course, from the tribe of Judah. Uh, But also it talks about the chronology. There's a very complex and mysterious prophecy in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, well known as the prophecy of the 70 weeks. Now, the prophet was not speaking about weeks because Hebrew just has the word sevens, uh, doesn't really have a word for weeks. And so according to uh, what we believe in the interpretation, it's actually 77, so very easily could be 490 years, which is what we think it is. And Mm -hmm. it seems to be that at the 483rd year, the Messiah comes and seals up righteousness and actually puts an end to sin. And certainly that's what Jesus did. And if you scoot up 483 years from when Artaxerxes gave that uh, uh, decree to rebuild uh, Jerusalem, you're landing about 33 AD, give or take a year. Right. And so certainly Jesus came when he was supposed to come, and he did what he was supposed to do. Exactly. He sealed up sin through his sacrifice, which you find in Isaiah chapter 53. And uh, that's an important passage, Isaiah 53, isn't it? Bobby, and sharing the gospel with Jewish people especially. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as you know, in our ministry, uh, we've done quite a bit with Isaiah 53, which we lovingly call it Isaiah 53, but really it's Isaiah 52:13 through 53:12, and that entire chapter just lays out this beautiful prophetic picture of this one special, righteous, blameless, unblemished individual, this servant of the Lord, who willingly lays down his life and dies. He's cut off, okay? He's cut off. He's, he becomes a sacrifice, and that word in Isaiah 53.10 that's used to describe the, this servant dying and becoming a guilt offering, it's the Hebrew word asham, asham. And this is the only place in the Bible where that word is used to describe a human being. And then in verses 10 through 12, it not only speaks of his sacrifice, but it speaks of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Because first you have Yeshua, Jesus, dying in the prophecy, and the next thing you know, he's alive. 
And uh, so it's a, a, an incredible prediction of the resurrection of Jesus, just like Psalm 16. And then, uh, Bobby, one of the prophecies I think that is really critical is Isaiah 42, verses 6 through 7, mm-hmm. where the prophet says, I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Mm-hmm. And so in this, we understand that the nation of Israel, from a prophetic point of view, will be used to touch the lives of non-Jews. Right. Isn't that isn't that an important prophetic theme? Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, it, uh, this is part of messianic prophecy that this Messiah, this descendant of David, this descendant of Abraham, who would come and be cut off, he would have a global impact, that the nations would be impacted by the ministry of this Messiah. And ultimately, I mean, this has been really one of the greatest testimonies of the truth that Yeshua is the Messiah over the last 2,000 years. It's the fact that the world has been impacted by him. Even to this very day, people from the nations continue to come to believe and have their lives changed and transformed by the message of the Messiah, Jesus. Of course, we hope that uh, Gentiles who believe in Jesus will eventually realize (laughs) that they have a Jewish spiritual heritage. Right. Uh, And and that's something that God even promised in Genesis 12, 3, that that Israel would be a blessing uh, to the world. In Isaiah 66, verse 8, our sixth prophecy speaks about a nation being born in a day. And Mm. certainly the restoration of Israel, uh, the way God has brought back the Jewish people to the land of Israel after 2,000 years, restored the Hebrew language, is a miracle of incredible, incredible proportions. And uh, it's, it's a sign of his grace. And finally, As the Jewish people are back in the land, Zechariah 12.10 now can take place. I'll pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. So the day is coming, now that Israel is back in the land, Mm -hmm. that Israel will actually turn to Jesus the Messiah. And I'll tell you, Bobby, that's a prophecy that I'm really looking forward to. As full-time missionaries to the Jewish people, we know what it's like to see a few Jewish people come to faith. Mm -hmm. But just imagine what's going to happen to planet Earth when the entire Jewish nation comes to know Jesus as Messiah. Amen. Seven great prophecies. In 1894, Rabbi Leopold Cohn founded Chosen People Ministries in Brooklyn, New York. And today, we stand as a credible, well-established mission that combines Jesus' biblical imperative to go and make disciples with the call to evangelize to the Jewish people first. We accomplish this mission with innovative and forward-thinking creativity. And if you'd like to partner with us this year, go to chosenpeople.com radio and then click on the Give Today button. You can also give a gift through the mail or over the phone. Find all the details at chosenpeople.com offer. Your gifts help us continue to proclaim the good news that Messiah has come to Jewish people around the world. And for that, we thank you for your partnership. Welcome back. You are listening to The Chosen People. Well, coming up next, we're going to hear from a man who started a television and radio ministry back in 1977 that was called Messianic Vision. But today, he's mostly known for his ministry program, It's Supernatural. And that man's name is Sid Roth. Thanks, Bobby. I know Sid Roth 
and he is a very godly, dedicated man. He uh, actually started a ministry to Russian Jews in Brooklyn and would come up every week himself from uh, Washington, D.C. to Brooklyn. I really admire him, and I know that you're going to love this testimony. I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish home. I went to the synagogue um, faithfully until I was bar mitzvah, and I couldn't wait to get out of the synagogue, but I did go on the high holidays with my parents. If you said to me, did I believe in God? I would have said, I guess as a Jew, I'm supposed to say yes, but I don't know. And I quickly learned that I could be happy if I made a million dollars. I had a degree from a major uh, university in the United States. I had a job with the largest stock brokerage firm in the world at that time. So I did something I'm not proud of. I left my job, I left my wife, I left my daughter, and I got involved in what was called a New Age meditation course. I was told that they would teach me how to know things that were not programmed in my brain and then I thought, well, if I could know this uh, information from the invisible world, then I could know what stocks are going to go up. Then I could make a million dollars in the market. Then I could be happy. So I took this course and I actually didn't think it would work. They told me how to mentally slow down my brain waves through mental exercise. And then when I'm in a passive, almost a hypnotic state, I could invite an imaginary friend into my head. And this imaginary friend would give me information that had been never programmed into my brain. So I went along with it. I'll tell you between you and me why I went along with it. They said they'd give me my money back if it didn't work. So I figured I'd, I'd do everything they said. I knew it wasn't going to work, but it did. And I knew things that had not been programmed in my mind. And I thought, oh, I'm now going to be happy. And the power actually started growing. And then uh, I got involved in something called astral projection. That's where your spirit leaves your body. But then I found out once your spirit leaves your body, every night that you go to sleep, your spirit goes for a spirit walk. What if it, my spirit left my body and didn't make it back in time? I'd be buried alive. And I have to tell you, I was so fearful that I couldn't even sleep. And I was convinced that what was inside of me was evil. It was actually a demon. I have tasted the power of the dark side of the demonic world. And contrary to popular opinion, it's not fake. There are genuine supernatural things that are miraculous. Death looked better to me than life. Life was too hard. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't looking for religion. I was just looking to go back to the way I was. I'd opened up a door that I wanted to close and I didn't know how to close it, and I didn't know who to go to to close it. For instance, my parents would give their life for me, but they couldn't help me. They'd send me to a rabbi. A rabbi couldn't help get, rabbi, I'm hearing voices, there's a demon inside. You know what he'd do? He'd send me to a psychiatrist. 
the psychiatrists, when you were in sugar like that, they didn't know what to do. So they would give you electric shock treatment, and then you'd really be sugar. And I'm a Jew, so I'm not going to go to a, a priest or something. I knew there was nowhere I could go. I was told there was a greater power than that devil that was pulling me under, that demon inside of me. And that power was the name of Jesus. Did I believe in him? No. But did I have nowhere else to go? I had nowhere else to go. And at that time, I'd been given a Bible by these Christian businessmen. We Jews have nothing to do with the New Testament. We Jews have nothing to do with the church. You know, when you're sinking in the middle of the ocean, you don't care who throws you a rope. In desperation, I prayed a two-word prayer. Jesus, help. I really didn't want to wake up. Life was too difficult. Well, I did wake up the next morning, and I couldn't believe what happened. That demonic thing that was inside of me, it was gone, totally gone, and replaced with the greatest peace and love a human could have. I could not be afraid and fearful if you gave me a million dollars because this love conquered all of my fear. It was a love that I had never, never experienced, I'd never felt before. And I returned to my wife and daughter and my marriage was restored. And I can tell you that Joy and I have celebrated our 53rd wedding anniversary. My dad was angry with me the entire time that I became a believer, all of those years. You can't be two things. You can't be Jewish and a believer in Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with Christians, and he was really ashamed that his son was a public believer in the Messiah. My mother observed how my marriage was restored, how I became a good husband, a good father, a good provider. And she said, you know, I don't believe in this Yeshua, but Yeshua made my son a mensch. That means a good human being. I discussed with her why I believed in Yeshua. And one day she said a prayer to know the Messiah. And then when my mom died, my father asked the most important question he could ask me. He said, Sid, will you go to the synagogue for almost a year with me and say Kaddish for your mother? And just as I was going to say, no, Dad, I don't have time, I heard the voice of God, and I felt God said, yes, tell him yes. And you know, I went with my father every day to the minion, and I said the Kaddish, and I put on the tefillin, one day, my father said, because I was being such a good son in his mind, do you still believe in him? And I said, yes, Dad, I do. I believe the blood of Yeshua washes away my mistakes, and I am clean. I opened up a Tanakh, and I read the 53rd chapter of Isaiah to him. It says we Jewish people reject him. But he won't die for his own sins. He'll die for our sins 
and by his stripes, by the blood that'll flow from him, we will be healed. My dad said, stop. You're reading from a Christian Bible. You're talking about that man. And I thought to myself, isn't that amazing? I am reading from a Jewish Bible, and he thinks I'm talking about Yeshua. I tell you, God is wonderful. He restored my life. He restored my family. My entire mishpocha came to know the Messiah. I owe everything to Yeshua. And I'm one grateful Jewish man. Have the things you've heard on this program piqued your curiosity about the Jewish roots of Christianity? What about the Messianic Jewish faith? Maybe you're curious to learn how the Jewish holidays point to the fulfillment of Jesus? Well then, be sure to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, Inside Israel. You'll receive weekly updates about our ministry, including videos, links to our podcast, a summary of the latest news coming out of Israel, a variety of downloadable resources, discounts in our online store, and so much more. Sign up today when you go online to chosenpeople.com offer. That's chosenpeople.com offer. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So Mitch, today we looked at some of the fulfilled prophecies in the Bible and how they really serve as evidence of God working throughout Israel's history. But prophecy is also very useful in evangelism efforts, especially with Jewish people. That's a great point, Bobby. If, if Christians could study the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and be able to share these prophecies, even the seven that we shared uh, throughout the show with Jewish people, I know that that would have a very powerful impact on Jewish people. Though some Jewish people do not know the Scriptures, they know they're supposed to listen to the Old Testament scriptures because it is, in fact, the Jewish Bible. Right, right. Which, again, I think is a, a very important point to make for our listeners here. Uh, if you are sharing with a Jewish person and they get to the point where they're interested in hearing something from the Bible, you want to start in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, because it's familiar ground for the Jewish people. Absolutely. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to share with you today about why prophecy is important. It's important because it demonstrates that the Word of God is true, and it also makes us more sure about our faith, because these predictions in the Old Testament of Jesus being the Messiah, of Israel being brought back to the land, strengthen our faith and give us confidence in the Lord and in His Word. And I hope that, that you'll be blessed by it and share that blessing with Jewish people. Once again, you've been listening to The Chosen People, and this program can be heard every weekend right here on your local radio station, or you can catch the program online 24-7 when you visit chosenpeople.com radio. And to stay connected with us throughout the week, be sure to check us out on your social media platforms. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just click the like or subscribe button and you're good to go. And now, here's Mitch Glazer once again to close us with the ironic blessing. Yidrech Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'ikunecha
Yisadonai panavalecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.